The government says airstrikes on the southern city of Rafa in Gaza should stop. At a post-Cabinet press conference yesterday, Prime Minister Christopher Luxon said he was extremely concerned about the 1.5 million Palestinians sheltering in Rafa right now and that his preference was for a complete pause in hostilities. He said Foreign Minister Winston Peters was talking to the Israeli government to convey New Zealand's position that operations in Rafa should not continue without ensuring the safety of civilians there. Mr Peters met with the Israeli ambassador at the Beehive yesterday. The statements come as the British Foreign Secretary David Cameron has also called for the fighting to stop. Above all, what we want is an immediate pause in the fighting, and we want that pause to lead to a ceasefire, a sustainable ceasefire, without a return um, to further fighting. That's what should happen now. Uh, We need to get those hostages out, including the British nationals. We need to get the aid in. The best way to do that is stop the fighting now and turn that into a permanent, sustainable ceasefire. Well, Prime Minister Christopher Luxon joins us now. Good morning, Prime Minister. Do you share those uh, comments that David Cameron has made? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I said yesterday, we're extremely concerned about the impact of this conflict on civilians and also on regional stability. Um, we're all seeing that the loss of life is appalling. Uh, the humanitarian situation is deteriorating, and the cost of the conflict, frankly, is far too high. And so, you know, um, we need to see a pause to hostilities, um, and that's why we said, you know, we don't want to see Israel proceed with operations in Rafah. Uh, it is really important um, that we move to, you know, invoking the Middle East peace process. And actually, that's the way that this um, conflict gets resolved. It's not going to be through military reaction. And that for that to happen, it needs both sides to move. It needs Hamas to release hostages, stop its rocket fire on Israel. It needs Israel to cease its military operations and facilitate greater flows of aid. So, yeah, I think, you know, what you're hearing overnight is um, a consistent position from countries all around the world saying, look, we need an immediate uh, humanitarian ceasefire. That needs to be the pathway to the permanent, sustainable ceasefire that we all want to see happen. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's important. You know, it's really important mm. because we're at a uh, yeah, the cost of the conflict, as I say, is far too high. Has New Zealand spoken to its uh, counterparts, the likes of David Cameron, in the last few days to firm up that sort of joint position? Um, I haven't spoken with him personally. I have spoken to him previously, but um, not not uh, in, in the last 24 hours or so. Um, I mean, from New Zealand's perspective, you know, we've been... You know, continuing to provide humanitarian support. You would have seen we've given another further $5 million to the humanitarian response. We're delivering that through uh, the Red, uh, Red Cross and also through the World Food Programme. And obviously, we've been, you know, there's been 153 countries now. We're one of them calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. And it's um, really important because, you know, it's just, this is not going to get solved by more military action. Is it acceptable in your view that Israel carries out an operation in which 67 people die? I mean, great that they managed to rescue two hostages, but is that an acceptable type of operation at the moment in Rafah? Well, I mean, again, I'm not familiar with exactly what the facts are on the ground, but all I just say to you is there is a massive obligation on Israel to make sure it's compliant with international law. That means that it needs to make sure civilians are protected. Uh, and Do you um, believe it, sorry to interrupt, but do you believe it is complying with international law? From what you have seen, from what we can all see on our television screens. Well, I mean, I think, you know, as I said yesterday, you know, I think this is not um, great for Israel in the sense of it has moral and legal obligations to protect its citizens and civilians. It certainly needs to consider the long-term impact of its actions uh, in terms of ultimately resolving and creating long-term peace in the Middle East. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, we're, we're just calling on Israel to make sure that they are protecting civilians and, and as 
you know, as they should be. And so, you know, the reality for us is that's why we just don't think, you know, going into Rafa uh, and proceeding with operations there is a way forward. You know, we want Israel to stop and think about the consequences uh, and its long-term, um, you know, getting a long-term solution in place to actually get to back to peace. Putting aside, obviously, I understand about legal questions, but do you think they really are doing enough to protect civilians given what we are seeing? Well, I think we'd all like to see more targeted, um, you know, um, operations that are actually protecting civilians. And, you know, all of us are watching images on our TV screens um, that are incredibly appalling. The cost of um, the conflict is too high. The loss of life is appalling. Uh, but what I'd say to you is it's incumbent on both sides. It's not just all on Israel. It's also on Hamas, who has to release hostages and stop its own rocket fire. Uh, Israel's got to cease its military operations and it's got to get those aid flows going straight to those civilians. Okay, you met with the CEOs of government departments uh, last night. Yes. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what the, I don't know if I use my words here, vibe was, and whether or not, I mean, you've asked them to make significant savings. Was there any, I guess, concerns raised from those CEOs as to whether they can meet that target? Well, look, what I was doing last night was um, what I've always done with in my previous life as well is to bring the senior leadership team together so they actually hear from the leader as to exactly uh, where we're coming from. And so what I wanted to talk about was, you know, why the, the why, what and how of the government and therefore what are the expectations we have of them. And again, you know, what I underscored was New Zealand desperately needs to turn around. Um, we are focused on outcomes and results and delivery. There is a lot of a culture of wasteful spending that's emerged in Wellington. That needs to be really... Um, um, rooted out, and we. This is going to be an mm. ongoing, you know, thematic sure. for us. I, I, I'm, I'm sure they got that it message. Was a very positive and very constructive meeting, and, and it was a great chance just to sit them informally, to get them my view of what's in my head and what we're trying to achieve as a government, so they hear it directly from me rather than through media or through relate. Uh, and importantly, also give them some opportunity for questions back to us as well. Sure. And, and I'm just wondering whether one of those questions might have been about the ability of them to meet some of those 6.5, 7.5 savings uh, cuts and targets. If we he- we're hearing from the police this morning morning, that their 111 system, you know, crucial system, is failing, is old, needs to be replaced. The last government chose not to, I think, last year. There have been deaths and injuries as a result of this creaky system. How are the police expected to make 6 7.5% cuts at the same time as having to find the money to replace their 111 system? Well, you know, there's a good example, right? I mean, what we're asking the police to do is to go back through their back office functions, look at their use of contractors and consultants, um, see whether there are inefficiencies, programs that are not working, stop that, recycle those funds to put it back into the front line again. We're just asking them to be efficient in this case. Uh, we know there's challenges with that triple one system. I know the minister's all over it. I know he's seeking further advice from officials about that. But, you know, they're not mutually exclusive, Corin. You know, essentially, we're asking every government department to generate savings. Uh, in some cases, we're actually wanting to make sure those savings are then recycled into frontline services for, for key portfolios. And in other cases, those savings need to be generated mm. because we've had an 84% increase in spending and a 33% sure. increase did in any Did any CEOs last night tell you they couldn't do it? No, no. It was a very positive and constructive session. We're well advanced or making good progress through generating those savings and many of the departments have taken that challenge on incredibly well. And so, you know, uh, Nicola Willis and myself are, you know, there's more work to do, but um, we're, we're, we're pleased with the progress that we're making. Superannuation, the Retirement Commissioner's got a report out this morning in which they suggest income testing, a form of means testing, is the only well, one of the key ways to try and make super sustainable. Wants to leave it at 65 
Uh, would you support a look at income testing whereby if you're over 65 and you're earning a big wage, you maybe you wouldn't get your super? Oh, look, I think we've, we've looked at all of that before, and the reality is it's an entitlement for people who have actually made contributions and uh, in their senior years are entitled to it. Um, but, look, I haven't seen the report, and obviously we'll have a closer look at it. Even, you know, someone working in a, dare I say, a government department or somewhere part-time who's earning, who's, who's 70, earning a very healthy, me, me, they call it, I think the Retirement Commissioner says, double the median income, is it fair that they continue to get super? In your view? Well, look, we've, we've always had it as a national entitlement to all New Zealanders, right? And um, I think that's the way it will remain. But again, I'll have a look at the report in fairness. I haven't seen it, and um, our team will need time to digest it. All right, thank you very much for your time. That is the Prime Minister, Christopher Luxon.